for our sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown, the fun and healthy place for dogs. Pet Chat on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7. We are back for another instalment. Hello, it's Sarah with you and Cheryl Shaw joining us. Cheryl, how are you feeling today? Uh, not too bad, Sarah. Are you letting a secret out here? I am. I've managed to rope you into doing our 12-week challenge. You have. Day two for me, and I'm a little bit sore in some spaces of my body. Oh, my goodness. I'm so proud of you for going, okay, I'm going to do this challenge. I'm coming along to the park. You started Monday. You've been every day. You're going again today. Absolutely, Sarah. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. And the, the pain will go away eventually <laughs> in time. So. Now, you've, you've brought a little uh, kitten brooch today. We're talking cats, I can yeah. only assume. Yes, talking cats. And look at this cat. He's got crazy eyes. It's because he's been hanging in the catnip. He's ah, a bit high. Because they love catnip. They do. And you've, you've brought some props today. You've yeah. got a little bowl of grass yeah, over there. Yeah, so I've got some fantastic ideas for cat lovers today. We're talking about things we can do to enhance our cats' lives. And you've got some fantastic props here, including some cat grass. And some catnip. Look, one of the things that we've got to really consider, um, cats that are kept inside don't have the opportunity to go and rub against or nibble on or, you know, sort of have that contact with plants and they really do enjoy it. So recently I actually made my son's cats a little um, container of cat grass. And You're a good nanny. Oh, look, I love gardening and I also really enjoy animals. So I just thought, yes, do this. So I actually made it with some dirt and I just sprinkled the cat grass seeds over the top and it germinated really quickly. So I presented that to the cats and oh my God, one cat was just like in cat heaven, chewing away. But what I didn't really understand and, you know, doing some research about it, cats really do enjoy plants and the cat grass helps their um, health system. So it supports them and it's particularly good for digestion. Also, some cats really suffer with fur balls. So the fur balls are helped to be reduced because ah. they've got that extra fibre in their diet. So for a cat that can go outside and eat grass, which often cats and dogs do, for a cat that's been kept inside, and I believe all cats should be inside, um, they don't have that opportunity. And so we know that um, herbs in, in particular can be ben- very beneficial for cats as well as they are for us. Not that, you know, everything has to be changed. We've still got to give them their normal diet, but this is just something else that you can add in. add on, yeah. We know that um, a lot of us eat um, you know, the, the juiced up wheat grass. So cat grass is really like a wheat grass and cats really do enjoy it. There's lots of different grasses that you can grow. They can be the wheat, the oats, the rye or the barley and they'll just nibble on those leaves and really enjoy it. Then there's the catnip. Now catnip is really interesting because it's got aromatic foliage. So the cats, it's, it's actually from the mint family. So cats love to actually roll in it. It gives them a bit of a high. Some cats go doing the zoomies all around the place yeah, because they right. really enjoy that aromatics from the, the, the cat nip herb. So it's really important that um, cats are, are or do have the opportunity to experience 
either being given it to eat or to roll in or to rub against. Some cats really love just to rub against them. Now, another thing you can do, Sarah, is instead of just the, the normal cat mitt and the cat grass we're talking about, you can actually set up a herb box. So if you've got a nice sunny windowsill where your cat sits sometimes or, you know, even near a glass window or something, you can set up a nice herb box. So what happens with the That's herb a great box? great idea. Yeah, well, you know, you, you enjoy herbs and cooking, but the cats enjoy it as well. So you can use plants like lemongrass, all those different varieties of mint, dill and thyme and rosemary, even parsley. These herbs, because of their aromatic they just delight cats so much. They'll rub against them. You can even set up a box that they can lay in, like a polystyrene box full of catnip. They will lay in that and just be in... You so know. you grow your own catnip because yeah. there's a lot of sprays and stuff, but we're talking about growing the, yeah. the catnip as well. Yeah, and it's so simple. I mean, the cat grass, you can just grow it on um, paper towel in a little bowl and put it in the windowsill. Is that what you've brought in? Yeah, like, you that's right. You have a bowl with it. Yeah, so it's just on, on paper towel. You sprinkle the seeds over the top and up it comes so simple and then there's no mess the cat's not going to dig in it um so it's really important that they do have this opportunity to enjoy um the compounds that are in the the cat um um, grasses and products or, or plants that they can use there's an active compound in plants called Neptopetlacone, and it actually is what the cats really like. They they really enjoy this compound. It's like a pheromone for them. So, you know, we know we get all these plug-in pheromones that help them to settle. So it's just a way that you can help your cat um, enjoy and rub against these plants and get the pheromones off because most herbs do give off some aromatics and that's what the cats really enjoy. What a great idea. And you've got cat mint as well, which yeah. is obviously different to the cat nip. That's it's right. another herb that yep. they can... And they can eat all of these. Yes, it's really yes. good for them to yeah. get. Oh, yeah. The only thing we've always got to watch is when we've got plants inside. You know, at the moment, things like daffodils are going to start coming up. I mean, by September, all our daffodils will be flowering. There are some plants you've got to be so careful with, and daffodils are one of them. We know for dogs that, you know, there's plants that upset them. We know with the cats it's lilies as well. You know, I remember doing the talk on lilies. It's so important that you give them things that are safe. And so knowing that you, you're providing them with herbs and, you know, the cat mints, cat nip and cat grass. They're all really healthy. Great ideas. And also, Cheryl, it's therapeutic for us as well. We started a greenhouse during isolation and, it's, I mean, it's fun to do and it does certainly change the dynamics in the home and it, it is nice yeah. to have plants around you and, and herbs growing. Yeah. So. Well, actually, Sarah, I started with a little, um, like a strawberry container with the first lot of cat nip, cat grass, sorry, that I grew and because I grew it in a seed-raising mix, it was leaking all over the place. And I thought, no, I've got to come up with another idea And and because I didn't want mess around it. And the paper towel, look, it works so well. People should go out and get a pack of seeds and have a go. You know, give it give, a whirl. Give their cat something a little bit different. We're adhering to social distancing here on 2NURFM. We've uh, just had Cheryl Shaw in talking all things cat-related for Pet Chat. Now it's your shift, Dr David Tabret. Welcome. Welcome well. back. Oh, it's great to be here. It's great uh, to have you here. I've missed, I've missed this place. Of course, I've you missed have. you, Sarah. I've missed oh, you. Actually, that's not true because oh. I can listen every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I know who's missed you, and that's our listeners. Are uh, lots of questions about to come your way, oh, David? Oh. So please get ready. I'm ready. If you do have a question for David, four nine two one six two one six is the number. Are you seeing a lot more people uh, d during isolation? Did more people come into the clinic with their pets? Yes. Yeah. Actually, 
huge. Yeah. <laughs> People are at home and going, oh, yes, that's right. oh, I haven't noticed that before. I should probably get that looked at or I've got time. I've been putting this off. I'm going to offend some people now and say this, but you all know it's true, is that uh, hubby's home or, you know, different, we're all change patterns. Yep. And one person in the relationship has been saying the dog needs to go to the vet for the past six weeks and then suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, they really, yeah, that skin <laughs> problem, they are itching or they, they are lame on that leg. And all of a sudden, you know, there's this greater demand. And then interestingly, a lot of the GP vets, because um, I work in emergency, but a lot of the GP vets, because of the restrictions and workflow, uh, their days got longer. Mm, yeah? yeah, and so they weren't able to see as many people. So what happened was we were starting to see lots of patients, you know, 6 or 7 p.m. at night that probably would have just been seen during Right, the day. so it sort of changed everything for, for you guys. That that was a big change. Absolutely. It's Pet Chat. I know it's been a while. Well, we are here last week, but it's been a while for Dr David Tabrish. I'm back. You're back, and I know mm-hmm. you're ready to take some calls, so let's do it. We've got John uh, from Karua. On the phone, John, a question about your dog for David. Uh, yeah, please. Uh, my, my dog this morning um, was acting quite unusual and then when she uh, tried to defecate, she's yelping at the same time. Oh, okay. How old's your dog, John? Uh, 15 months. 15 months, okay. And did she end up uh, passing anything successfully? Not yet, no. Oh, okay. So the the age is really important with this sort of problem because... We do see um, constipation and straining with older dogs with various problems. Yeah. And then in younger dogs, we might see it for different reasons. So oftentimes, uh, what breed of dog is it that you've uh, got? She's a, a, a bull mastiff cattle dog cross. Right, so quite a large dog. So, um, for instance, if we've got a small fluffy dog, uh, like Giz, Mm. Sarah. Yep. Some of those little white fluffy dogs and so on, if they, you know, might get some soft stool or something, it can cause a bit of problems at the back end because of the hair. But the larger dogs, I would be concerned about just making sure that um, your dog hasn't eaten something and it's now making its way through. Well, my, my concern is that this morning I found a bottle of metho with the lid chewed in, in my yard. Oh, okay. Well... It might be rather short duration to have passed something to pass through, but certainly yeah. a, a bit of plastic or something like that could actually cause that sort of discomfort. Yeah. Um, and I think probably a visit to the vet is best to... They're going to have to do the the deed and put the glove on and have a feel up the back end and make sure everything's all right. The, yeah. o- the other problem that we sometimes see is um, they can get infections in the anal glands, which are on either side... And these glands are normally there. They excrete a substance that marks the dog's territory when they go to the toilet. Yeah. But sometimes that can get blocked and that can be quite painful. So that's the other thing that can be checked out. And if that's the case, they often require medication and occasionally require surgery for that sort of thing. So I, yeah. think, it's, I think it's worth a follow-up with your vet. Um, okay. Sometimes when she tried to defecate, there's been like a it's kind of like pussy liquid. Yeah, that's probably the anal gland secretion. So certainly worth a checkup. I think. Um, don't worry, they'll supply the gloves. And, um, <laughs> hopefully that'll get your dog back on track. Yeah, hopefully yeah. quite an easy fix in, I, in hindsight. Most, most of the time. 
Yeah. Okay, let's um, let's go back to Karen now, who uh, phoned in a little earlier. Karen's from Rutherford, and she's got a question about her German Shepherd. Welcome, Karen. Hi, thank you. Hi, Karen. How can we help? Um, we've got a German Shepherd. I think you'd still call her a puppy. She's not quite one. Mm-hmm. She's just had her first heat season. Mm-hmm. Now, we've been told we're, we're wanting her to be dissexed, but we've been told you're best to leave it till they've had two seasons. You're best to leave it till they're over two years old. Um, we don't know what to do. It's a pretty controversial area at the moment. There's been lots of discussions around this. Um, so the basis, if we go back a little while, um, years, generally the advice was getting them desexed before they have their first heat cycle. Yes. And there's a couple of good reasons for that. One is that um, then you don't have to worry about, you know, stray male dogs coming around and, and so on. Uh, the other thing is that female dogs that are desexed prior to their first heat cycle have an almost negligible chance of developing uh, mammary, mammary gland tumours later in life. So yeah. what happens is if they go through a heat cycle and certainly go through two, the oestrogen and so on that's secreted from the ovaries primes the tissue and makes them susceptible if they are genetically primed uh, to develop those tumours later in life. And when I say later, it might only, you know, could be five or six years. So there's no guarantee, obviously, that allowing your dog to have heat cycles means they're going to get that, but it does increase the risk. So that that was kind of the reason why... We're saying get them desexed early, but there's been increasing evidence that shows that desexing early, um, particularly before I think about the one year of age, can be associated with bone growth problems and joint, yeah, joint problems. That, that was another thing that we heard too about because they've got the hip dysplasia. With German Shepherds, if she hasn't fully developed and getting her desexed prior then it can interfere with that and where we do take it to the vet he actually said to me her behavior is not normal to a german shepherd when we go out there like she's a bigger dog she will plonk herself down on the ground and army crawl up to the little dogs that have come out (laughs) as if to say are you okay i'm not gonna hurt because she's down to their level and yeah, the vet yeah. said he's never, ever, ever seen that ever. And then getting her to sex is going to interfere with her behaviour. Right. So well, there, there I is. Don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, there has been some studies that looked at effects of desexing on behaviour, both in male and female dogs, but in more, more in particular with aggression. So in, uh. in male dogs, it, desexing does tend to reduce aggression. Interestingly, with female dogs, if they're an aggressive personality beforehand, desexing a female dog makes them worse. However, uh, it doesn't. Uh. Yeah, it doesn't actually kind of trigger aggression or anything. Um, so it's it's a quite a complex area. The part about the joints and everything is people are saying. And I, look, I'm not as well read up on this as perhaps your vet might be, but I have seen a couple of these articles. But yeah. people are saying it's probably best to wait one, maybe two heat cycles. However, 
the previous advice around mammary gland tumours is still yeah. true. That problem hasn't gone away. So we're stuck. We're in the middle. How common is a memory gland tumour? Like, percentage-wise, do we have any idea in...? Well, that's a really good question, and I think it's probably also compare it to, say, the incidence of joint disease. So all of these things... I mentioned about genetics, right? Um, and, and Karen was saying, you know, German Shepherds and certain breeds with hip dysplasia or other problems, there's all these multiple factor, factors uh, coming in to cause yeah. the problem. So the hormones is just one part of it. Yeah, okay. okay. So genetics plays a role, diet plays a role, exercise, body conformation, body size, um, and then, yeah. So, but Karen, it, it's, it's really up to you, isn't it, at the well, end of the day, oh, from what I can... I want that. <laughs> I, I, I'm probably in the camp of saying, like, look, two years ago, or probably, you know, four or five years ago, I would have said, yeah, get them desex before their first heat cycle. Yeah, we've the, always done that, yeah. except with her, because she's a German shepherd. These days, I'm kind, I'm pretty cautious. I, I wouldn't want to say wait until after their second one. So, I think right. in between the first and the second so one. So, now... Yeah. Okay. There well, you go. Give it a bit. She's only just dropped off heat. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> so just wait. i to wait for things to go yes, down. Yes, that's, that's right. Yeah. And your, right. Vet, your vet will thank you for that, I can tell you. <laughs> from, from doing surgery, it's a bit easier when they're not on heat. Uh, good, good on you, Karen. Good. Thank, right, thank you for so the much. call. Yeah. We're going to go to Mick now in Wood Rising. A question about your dog. Yeah, hi. I've got um, two golden retrievers, two... Um, litter mates that I've had since they were two and a half. Yep. They're approaching, they'll be six in September. In perfect health, but um, Charlie Brown and Bindi Bitch is their name. And <laughs> Bindi is the wild one. Right. But, so about a year after I got her, we realised that it had been some previous injury to her um, right leg, to her right knee. Yep. And um, it was a bit arthritic and you know, quite a bit of arthritic growth around it, but that's been managed with anti-inflammatories and injections on the other occasion. But, you know, she seems to strain it every now and again. It um, seems to be quite tolerable, given that the arthritis has already set in. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I'm talking about cruciate ligament. Yes. So the other one is now playing up. and um, The other dog or the other leg? No, the other leg. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> So, yeah, they could have been brought on by the, having the bad one anyway. Yeah, that's but, that's often the case because they tend to favour one over the other. Yep. So we're now putting more strain on the good one. Yep. But also the thing with cruciate ligament disease is that it is a degenerative joint disease which weakens the ligaments, and so that is a uh, mm-hmm. systemic disease. So it will be occurring in one leg, uh, sorry, in both legs anyway. Right, okay. So now we're coming down to, I've got advice on what to do. Yes. So my um, vet referred me off to another one that does a, what you call a, um, a realignment of the, of, the, yes. of the knee from 15 to 5 degrees, a TPLO or something. Yep, yep, familiar yep. with that. Yep. So what's the benefits of that, given their age, versus a simple repair of the ligament and tightening of it? Uh, that's a that's a really good question. So there's right. <laughs> there's a couple of there's a couple just the way the way the question that, too. the way that you framed it is really helpful. Um, so here's here's a couple of things. First of all, I mentioned about um, 
degenerative joint disease. Mm-hmm. And, and that can then lead to the onset of rupture of the cranial cruciate ligament. So just a quick little summary is the cruciate ligaments sit inside the knee joint mm-hmm. and the knee joint is inherently unstable. If you look at it, the bottom of the leg, which comes up to the knee, that's the tibia. If you think about yourself, mm-hmm. people and dogs are pretty much the same. Um, the top of the tibia is flat. Okay, The bottom of your thigh bone, the femur, is round. Okay, so you've got a round, it's actually two round balls kind of rolling around on top of this um, flat surface. And so there's all sorts of ligaments and, and cartilage that's all designed to keep things in place. But then you add to the problem is that dogs, their, their leg is naturally bent. Okay, so they're constantly kind of falling forward. And so the, the angle of the knee is different to people because of this. Okay, so what we find is that in some of these dogs that have got this problem is actually the angles, if we adjust it, then we will realign the tension and the forces and that will stabilise the joint. Mm-hmm. Um, the r- reason we... There was a lot of uh, research many, many years ago, decades ago, about trying to kind of do tendon transplants and ligament transplants and things like that and artificial ligaments. And you can get those done, but they have a whole heap of problems and they don't really provide any greater benefit um, compared to, say, a TPLO technique and there are others that realign the, the levels and the angles. There's one other part of this is that... There's you mentioned about, others. Yeah, there's, there are other techniques mm-hmm. um, that are kind of similar. The, the fact that there are others tells you that there's not one good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so every dog has to be assessed on its merit and x-rays done that look at the angles and then work out what the best approach is. So ultimately, I think you do get a better result. In regards to age, if you don't do anything, particularly in a dog like a retriever, um, they're a pretty active dog and that arthritis is going to be causing some pain for quite a while. So I think the short term with the surgery will give you a much better long-term effect. Even six-year-old is not very old. I think it's still worthwhile to go ahead with surgery. There you go. Thank you very much for your call, Mick, and good luck. So we've got Lynn on the line. You've got a question about your two-year-old pup. Yes. Um, my my uh, Zoe has had uh, health issues all her life, basically. Mm. Um, when we got her, she, we only got her a few weeks old, and she had already been desexed, yes. and uh, she had two hernia operations, um, and then, and then, uh, in December we discovered that she had hip dysplasia of both, as it turned out to be of both legs. Yeah, goodness dear. And and then. Um, during this lock-up horrible period, she had her left hip done, and it's very, very deformed. It's worse than what it was, and we were told, besides getting the other hip done, she also needs her knees done. Now, we're on the pension. We can't afford it. What, oh. uh, what's what can be done? Oh. So, Lynn, this is... Um, I mean, that's a 
for a young dog, that's a terrible story for you, and I feel for you in that. And I'm, but I'm also, you know, uh, if you've only just had that surgery done not that long ago, and when I say that, I mean within the last six months, there's still quite a bit of time for muscle healing. So one of the things that happens with the surgery for uh, chronic or severe hip dysplasia, there are a number of treatments, but... Um, one of the surgical procedures is where we actually remove the top of the hip joint. But what that means is that the, the muscles have to kind of take over the, the support of the leg so that mm-hmm. you're not just relying on the bone. Um, and that takes time. More importantly, it probably takes a fair bit of, like, exercise therapy, physio, that sort of thing. So just gentle walking. Uh, you know, no... Well, we can't walk her, but a neighbour walks her yeah. most afternoons. But I do take her to the post office every day. She uh, expects that. Oh, good on her. <laughs> good on her. So it's great that the neighbour can help you out too because um, just gentle walking, we don't want to do any, you know, jumping. Swimming is good if ever you get a chance to get it to the beach or, you know, for oh, somewhere for a swim. Breastford. Oh, we've okay. We've never been to. We haven't. Or a dam? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably more Could like. If she get it. in a dam, I think might be the other. Oh, livestock dam, eh? Well, I don't want to. I don't want to get you into trouble with the authorities. So just make sure you check it out. But that that also helps with um, the other problems that you talked about. So, you know, in saying like surgery is an option, yes, it is. What about non-surgical options? Gentle exercise, swimming is excellent because it's weight supported, it develops the muscles and ultimately that's what you're trying to do is to get the muscles to take over control. You are going to need to look into uh, medications. Now there are two different types that we use. One is anti-inflammatory and that's basically what it says and pain medication, that sort of thing. And the other one is things like... um, joint support supplements and those things uh, can either be given there is some um, granules you can put in food you can get injections whole range of different things there's different options a lot of these things are going to be a lot cheaper than surgery they may or may not be as effective but even if you did get surgery done you probably are still going to need to do all those things anyway mm. so i would say exercise make sure we're not overweight i think you really need to make sure that your dog almost where people stop you and say oh she's not eating enough like you want to make sure she looks thin because any weight is going to put too much strain on the joints and then the medication as i mentioned so a few options there linda best of luck we're going to go to susan now and see him what's your question for dr david tabret um good afternoon i have two stuffies they are 11 and a half years old from the same litter they're brothers Mm mm-hmm Last year, um, Bam, the golden-coloured one, he developed um, cysts all over his sort of his body, about eight cysts. Right. So when we took him to the vet, she removed them. He came home looking like a patchwork quilt, covered yes. in stitches, and um, yep. and now Finn, the slender dark of the two, has ha- has got the same cysts. So my oh. question is, should I take him to the vet and have the same thing? Because I'm kind of thinking I want to avoid it. Um, so I'm going to make a, a dreadful error here. But do you know what the cis word, like, did you find out? Um, 
and you know what the vet thought they were well the vet the vet took them because she wanted to make sure they weren't tumors yes but they ended up all being sick okay okay so the dreadful error i'm going to make is to assume that they're the same thing between both dogs and uh-huh. that they, they may be or they may not be so even though you know you've had one problem and it looks like this and then now the same thing crops up in your other dog, that doesn't mean they're going to be the same thing. And in older dogs, we do see a lot of skin problems that come up. So I wouldn't assume, you know, with your second dog, Finn, that um, we've, we're dealing with the same problem or that it needs the same treatment. And I think that's where you just need to go in and have that conversation with the vet. Primarily because, um, you know, with short-haired dogs at that age, there is a type of cyst, and I'm going to, you know, in quotation marks, cyst that they can get, which is called a mast cell tumour, and they're the ones that are pretty nasty. And they're very difficult to look at and say, well, this, this lump is a mast cell tumour and that lump is just a, a follicular, a hair cyst. They almost uh-huh. look exactly the same. Um, so when, when, when he goes to the vet, the vet will remove the tumours to find that out? Well, sometimes they can actually put a needle into them and just look at it under a microscope. It's not 100%, uh, but there are features that they might be able to look at in that way that would give you that information. So it's still, it's still worth a visit just to make sure. The other thing is that, for instance, if I examine a dog comes in and, and they've got lumps on their skin, I'm actually going to feel all the lymph nodes around the body as well. And, for instance, if those lymph nodes are enlarged, then I think it's a bit more suspicious. So it's, it's worth having that check-up and find out a little bit more info before uh, making a decision to go ahead or not with the surgery. Thank yep. you for your call, Suzanne. We really appreciate it. Look, that's all we've got time for today. It's just gone so quickly, too quickly, I know, but Pet Chat will be back same time next week. So if you didn't get your question, oh. then please make sure you save it for next week because we're here to help. I haven't done this much thinking for th- <laughs> three months. <laughs> you're, out of, you're out of touch. I'm exhausted. Oh, you need to go for a bit of a nanny nap now. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.